together. And tonight, Lord, help us to be uh, certainly open-minded, open-hearted, but always in submission to you and to your word. Lord, we don't know everything. We just want to learn more and know the truth. So we pray that you would help us in the pursuit of that and help us to be passionate and good representatives of the Lord Jesus. So Lord, speak to us, speak through me and help us to ask and answer questions and to learn together. Uh, We ask for this, Lord Jesus, in your name and to your honour. Amen. Tonight primarily is about uh, how do we witness to someone who is a professing gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender person or whatever. How do you have a conversation with them without being judgmental, condemning or narrow-minded or whatever, and if that's possible. So I wanted to begin, we'll get to that at the end, and have some time on it. <clears throat> but there are some other things I wanted to go, but this is sort of like a huge introduction by way of background, and I wanted to begin with an apology. I wanted to make some introductory remarks. So some of this stuff will appear on the screen, just in terms of the headings. I think firstly, and if you're a follower of the Lord Jesus, this is not a bad position for you to adopt right off the get-go, that if God does give you an opportunity to speak to someone who is um, a professing gay, lesbian, uh, homosexual person, then you ought to apologise. And that's what I want to do publicly tonight on behalf, well, not just of myself, but I think of the church and I think the church just generally. Because I think we as Christians and we as the church have sometimes mistreated people who struggle with or who have this orientation in their life and they have experienced, well, all different sorts of things. And for many of them, it's rejection and it's abuse. They've experienced hatred and anger. They've been dismissed. Uh, People have been insensitive to them. And it's not appropriate for us as followers of the Lord Jesus to behave like that. So we ought to apologise for being bad Christians towards them. Second thing I'd want to say to people who are gay, lesbian folk, that I'd want to say, you matter to God. And therefore you matter to me, you matter to us, you matter to this church. Uh, This church needs to be and wants to be a place of acceptance for all people, without exception. Everybody made in the image of God is welcome here. You come through the doors of our church, then you should feel welcome, you should be welcome. We are glad that you are here. Also, by way of introduction, I wanted to say that we are a church that's committed to biblical truth. That we love the truth, we love the scriptures, we teach the scriptures, and we will continue to teach the scriptures and hopefully do that in a faithful manner and also in a sensitive, caring manner. But we are imperfect. We're still in process. There are things I am sure, I'll speak personally, that I believe that are probably wrong. Of course, I don't know what they are, because if I did, I wouldn't believe them. But that's where we learn together. And that's why I always have an open invitation to anybody. If I say something tonight that you disagree with, if I say something you don't think is correct, you don't think it's biblical, please come and tell me. Please come and help me to learn. We, we do that badly, usually, don't we? Usually what happens, it's exactly like when you go to the restaurant, and I'm guilty of this just as much as anybody else. When you go to a restaurant and you have a bad meal, what do you do? Well, I know some people, I'll call the waiter over and they'll say, this is terrible, take it back to the chef and they'll order another one. Some people are, are that honest and that upfront. And in many ways, that's commendable. 
What most of us do is what I would do. That was terrible, I'm never coming back here again and I'm not telling them. Give them no feedback, just didn't like it. But I will tell my friends. I will tell my friends, don't go to that restaurant because it's awful. That's how we normally behave, isn't it? We don't tell the people who need to hear the feedback. We tend to tell others and to run them down. And well, we can make that mistake certainly in church and so on. Um, also, but this is still by way of introduction, we, I am not coming from a position of moral superiority, that's not my perspective, I am simply one sinner telling another sinner where to find bread. We all need God's grace, we all need God's mercy, the Lord Jesus died for all of us. It might be a helpful reminder too to get this out and up front. I believe heterosexuals have done more harm to destroy the family than any gay activists. You might need to process that. Rampant pornography, divorce and sexual scandals that have permeated the church in recent years have not helped the cause of um, healthiness or of families and good standards. I am completely opposed to gay bashing and there ought to be no home and there is no homo... I don't know how to say this... Homo hatred, homosexual hatred in my heart. I do not hate, I do not dislike people who are professing gay, lesbian or whatever. They're people for whom Jesus died, whom he loves. I've sat with some, not many, but I've sat with some. I've hugged them, I've listened to them, I've disagreed with them. Some of them have been nice, some of them have been militant. So I think we need to be a people who listen. And I've tried, certainly in the last couple of weeks, I've upped the ante, my radar is set pretty high, I've been listening a lot, I've, YouTube is unbelievable. The amount of conversations, I heard one, Dr John Corvino was his name, he was articulate, he was moving, he spoke for about an hour, and after about 50 minutes I suddenly realised he was homosexual. And up until then I went, this is good talk, he's saying lots of very good things. The only thing I disagreed with him on, really, and all that he said was his first one was uh, the way he dismissed what the Bible was teaching. He came out with some interpretations which I thought were a bit dismissive and a bit shallow. But he had some other very sound arguments that I've heard Christians use and that I've probably used. And they're quite unhelpful. If we get time, we'll come to those, but we may not. So we need to listen, we need to talk, we need to be uh, certainly, most of all, listening to the Word of God listen to our own conscience and reasoning processes but in submission to that it's the balance between grace and truth that comes to us through the person of the lord jesus grace graciousness towards others and truth speaking the truth as best we can so we want to be true to the biblical teaching and we also want to be prepared to learn okay so let's go and i'm sorry if this is going to be like drinking from a fire hydrant but it's just too much information Let's be clear, what is homosexuality? What are we talking about tonight? We're talking about people who experience same-sex attraction, an erotic attraction to persons of the same gender. It includes certainly thoughts, feelings and fantasies as well as sexual acts. It's the sexual attraction primarily, exclusively towards same sex. It's not always, obviously, ex exclusive. But I'm speaking, I think, thinking about mainly people who are primarily orientated that way and perhaps even practicing their sexuality that way. This is not including people who are pre-adolescent, who are inclined to experiment sometimes with 
homosexual activities, nor does it include people who are locked up in same-sex environments like prisoners. And sometimes people take research from those both segments of society and it just distorts the figures and so on. So we're talking about people who experience same-sex attraction or an orientation towards doing that. And some of you here tonight will be in that category, I would expect. And for some of you, you have that orientation, you have that inner desire for you, and you may never have done anything about it. And you may never have found a safe place to talk about it. Well, I'd like for this to be a safe place. I still think we're on the road to becoming better at doing that. But if you need someone to talk to, then I certainly, I think I could vouch for our pastors that you could go and talk to, and tonight we have Pastor David Daniels, Pastor David Butterfield, and Pastor David Evans, no, Daryl. Um, uh, come and talk, and you won't, you'll get a hearing, you will not be condemned. Um, for others of you here tonight, you have these inclinations, this orientation, and you may have dabbled, and you just may have experimented and then given it up. And perhaps even here tonight, and God willing, and I certainly hope so. I hope there are people here tonight who not only have the orientation, but they perhaps are practicing their homosexuality uh, sexually, and they have found themselves here tonight. Um, you'll hear me say that I don't agree with part of that, but I think this is a great place for you to be. Not to be beat up, not to be argued with, but to be loved and to be accepted, and for us to learn from. Okay, so that's what we are talking about. Um, there was a man by the name of um, Kinsey, Alfred Kinsey, 60, 65 years ago, who historically sort of gave this whole thing a, a jolt. A lot of his research has now been discredited, but one of the things that he has said, which is very helpful, is this, and I've just learnt this, so see how you respond to this. <clears throat> he said, and research since has confirmed it, that he said, our sexuality varies across society heterosexuals as well as homosexual. And that if we put at zero, and he goes to six, there are seven categories, zero to six. And zero are the people who are exclusively heterosexual. Exclusively heterosexual. Number six are those who are exclusively homosexual. And he said number three, obviously, is the midpoint. To which his research and confirming research now says, the vast majority of us are neither at zero or at six. We are somewhere else on the scale. That's worth thinking about, isn't it? We are fallen creatures, but we are sexual beings. We have sexual desires and sexual orientations, and if we find ourselves sometimes, perhaps, in different contexts or environments, we are capable of moving, but by the grace of God. The history of it, as I said, uh, Kinsey, Alfred Kinsey has a big part to do with this, but public awareness has certainly ramped up in the last 50 years or so. And now that which was once uh, in closets is now on parade in our society. That which was once whispered about, that's now the focus of sitcoms and of TV and movies. Once was publicly denounced, now it's almost an essential requirement and it gets a lot of press. The media have had a big impact on it, and certainly so has the political lobby group for gay and lesbian people. They have been incredibly active and very successful in what they have done. And the focus has shifted, again, very cleverly, away from homosexuality, and it's drifted towards um, human rights, as well as uh, endorsing love and commitment in relationships. 
and it certainly seems to have an impact in our society. Has the church given an uncertain sound? I know I'm racing. My answer is yes, I think we have. At extremes. The church has been to the extreme right where we have given a shrill denunciation of homosexuality. The Bible says it's an abomination, you're going to hell and you are disgusting. That's what the church has preached in some context, in some environments. And not surprisingly, um, homosexual folk, as well as gracious church people, have found the language offensive, it's brash, it's uninformed, it's narrow-minded, it's pharisaical. The tone is awful. But it's part of the church as message. And my limited awareness is many um, gay, lesbian folk, that's what they hear. So how do you witness to them and get over that hurdle? Well, we want to talk about that. On the other hand, at the other extreme, there are folks who go with enthusiastic acceptance and many folks are then shocked and astonished by the way that they interpret the scriptures or just simply dismiss what God says or how they manoeuvre or manipulate, whatever word you like, to fit the text into their own particular opinion. Well, what does the Bible say? I want to go quickly through this because most of you are aware of it. One of the very interesting websites I discovered... um, has this as their doctrinal statement. And it's about eight points. We trust God, our creator. We trust Jesus Christ, saviour and Lord. We trust the Holy Spirit, our helper. We believe the Bible, God's inspired word. It's our infallible guide for faith and conduct. We believe the good news that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, making possible our reconciliation with ourselves and with each other. We affirm the universal communion of believers and we commit ourselves to being Jesus' followers. Are they Christians? Sound it, don't they? That comes from the website, I think it's ECING, which stands for uh, Evangelicals Concerned. It's an evangelical group of people who are um, professing homosexuals, practicing homosexuals, who are in favour certainly of same-sex marriage, but they have also an evangelical faith which they profess. I'm sure some of you would say, well, they can't be Christians because they're gay. Well, I think you're wrong. I think you can be Christian and be gay. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, we'll come to that, um, I think alludes to that. But it depends, of course, what you mean when you say gay. Well, what does the Bible say? Because at the end of the day, it's not about public opinion, it's not about media reports, it's not about psychological studies. It's, what does God say? Well... There's about seven times the word homosexual appears in the scriptures. Here are a couple of them. This is Leviticus. And I know this is uh, dangerous, but I think it's safe. If you read Leviticus 18, you'll find there's a whole lot of references about sexuality and who you can't have sex with. And obviously, sex is designed by the Creator. It's for a man and a woman. It's designed for, in fact, not all men and not all women. It's only designed for those who are married. And outside of that... It's not supposed to happen. Verse 22 of Leviticus 18 says, Do not lie with a man as one lies with a woman, because that is detestable. Don't lie with a man as one lies with a woman. Homosexuality. It's pretty clear. Chapter 20, verse 13, same book, Leviticus, even clearer. If a man lies with a man as one lies with a woman, both of them have done what is detestable. They must be put to death. Their blood will be on their own heads. 
That's the Mosaic law, but there's a very clear understanding revelation that God's standard is that homosexuality, the practice of the act, is unacceptable and it's wrong. It's wrong for God's people back then, but it's also in the New Testament. And so therefore it's wrong for God's people now. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 and following says, "Do Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, that's heterosexual, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, or slanderers, or swindlers, will inherit the kingdom of God. And that's what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Homosexuality is one sin listed among many other sins. And so I think that also negates the idea that some people have that homosexuality is the worst sin. It isn't. Nor is it the unforgivable sin. But everybody in this room tonight, I think I can say to you, you have already committed the worst sin. And you've done it on numerous occasions throughout your life. What's the worst sin? What's the greatest commandment? To love the Lord your God with all your heart have you no you've committed the greatest sin homosexuality is not it nor is homosexuality the unforgivable sin it is a sin the practice is a sin and so we need to bear that in mind we have committed sin and we have committed sexual sin as well so just to summarize very quickly what the bible says Healthy human sexuality, according to the scriptures, is heterosexual. And I haven't taught that tonight, I'm just bouncing off it. God made male and female, are made for one another, and so on. Genesis chapters 1 and 2. Number two, listen carefully. The Bible is silent on same-sex orientation or attraction. Doesn't it talk about it? The Bible is silent on same-sex long-term commitments. Doesn't talk about it. Just like it doesn't talk about computers, cars, the AIDS, or even the word sympathy. It's not in the scriptures. The word homosexuality is mentioned seven times, as I said, and every time it's mentioned briefly, and it's never approved, and it's never condoned. And as I just indicated, nor is it ever singled out as the worst sin. It's not worse than anything else. Another Bible passage, probably one of the clearest, is Romans chapter 1. And again, not without just typical of the scriptures any passage you go to someone else can always interpret it uh, slightly differently to how you do it Um, this passage Romans 1 from verse 18 and following talks about people who gave up following God and chose to ignore him and therefore the response verse 24 therefore God gave them over to sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another they exchange the truth of God for a lie Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Women exchanged natural relations with men for unnatural relations with one another. In the same way, men did the same thing. Abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed indecent acts and yada, yada, yada. What happens when you reject God and leave him out of your life? Well, you're given up to a life of self-pursuit, of what pleases you. And homosexuality is the manifestation of one of those. That's not the only explanation biblically of it, but it certainly is part of it or one of it so what can i say in conclusion well i think erotic homosexual acts not the orientation not the attraction but the actual performance of homosexual intercourse acts 
is wrong biblically, whether the participants are committed to one another or not. I think that's what the Bible teaches. Don't have any time at all to go into causes and effects. They're quite diverse and it's quite unknown and the, the audience is still out. So let's come to the issue in the last few minutes. How do you talk to people about this? What can I say that's going to be helpful for us? Well, <clears throat> let's be clear and honest with people. The, the Bible condemns all sexual immorality, not just homosexuality. Um, and so we need to be consistent and fair, I think. That when we're talking to people, we're talking about sin generally. We certainly ought to be committed to getting and finding accurate information and removing misinformation that when we're talking to folks who are either struggling with this or quite committed and comfortable with their sexuality and expressing it this way and they think it's quite acceptable, uh, then uh, perhaps engaging in conversations and helping to address the real issues and being honest about your own assumptions and if you don't know, don't pretend but do try to find out. So I think, number one, we ought to face our own fears. I think we ought to cease and repent if we have been making jokes and being dismissive and being condemning of folk uh, with this expression that I think we ought to ask God to forgive us and for him to give us his grace and compassion in our hearts for them. Jesus loves sinners and those tempted to sin. Number two, we ought to be loving and accepting towards all people made in his image, fallen and he desperately as was I said before God wants them back in a relationship with him even homosexuals including homosexuals especially homosexuals don't insist and don't think don't be motivated by if they get converted then I'll be accepting of them or they need to change their homosexuality for me to accept them that doesn't fly you need to be accepting whether they change or not whether they get converted or not accept them befriend them build a relationship with them and be true and honest and genuine in that relationship make sense don't have any time to go into it but avoid stupid arguments you can write that one down and i can talk about it pray Pray that you'll have the opportunity to talk about Jesus. The most important issue is not their sexuality. It's not that. The most important issue is their relationship with Jesus. That's number one. And that's what you need to have as number one in the relationship. Building a relationship with people who are far from God in order that you might get the opportunity one month, one year, two years, three, whatever, down the road that you can lead them to the Lord Jesus, that they can find forgiveness in him and find a relationship in him. Number five, if that happens in God's blessing and goodness and they do become a follower of Jesus, they confess faith, they repent and they ask for forgiveness and they receive it, then disciple them and disciple them into the life of the church. Invite them to church. I hope they're already attending. And disciple them. Help them to grow in the Lord Jesus. And don't hold a stick over them that says you have to repent of everything and you have to stop your sexual practices right now or I won't accept you. I know that's getting on the thin ice, but you've got to both confront and hold accountable, but still be loving and accepting. Um, certainly do teach and remind them that if they are converted, then show them the scriptures, 1 Corinthians 6, 9, that it is possible for you to change, for God to bring a correction or a change, a realignment, because homosexuality really is a misalignment of their sexual desires. It's not in line with what God intended 
or with what God wants. And for some, for some, they will experience God's healing touch, they will experience change. Uh, But for others, they won't. And they will struggle with their orientation all the days of their life. And we need to be understanding and helpful as best we can. Remember, the church needs to be a safe place. Christians need to be safe people. That we can have these sorts of conversations. We should always be gracious in our conversations, gentle and respectful to all, accepting and welcoming. And we ought to remove from, and if we hear it, if we experience it from others, if it's on Facebook, then we ought to correct any derogatory, hate-filled speech or violence against homosexual people. Jesus most certainly would have. Truth and grace balanced together. Okay, I'm not sure exactly what I've communicated in terms of enough. I feel like I've gone that deep. And Anyway... Um, so here are some questions that I pre-thought of and then you'll get the opportunity if you want to ask questions. Um, and if nobody uh, wants to ask any questions, then I will be eternally grateful to all of you. <laughs> Question, do children need a mum and dad? A lady, I can't remember her name, but she's on the ABC and she makes the comment, it's about having two parents and it doesn't matter if it's a, two dads. What's the answer to that? Well, I think it's best that children do have a mum and dad, but do they have to have a mum and dad? No. Do you know any single parent families? Are they any good? Are they doing a good job? And this might shock you. The statistics show that where there are homosexual families, homosexual couples who have children, however, however they got them, whether adopted or surrogacy or, or whatever, the homosexual parents are in fact just as good as heterosexual parents. They're doing a good job. Uh, that's where the stats are at the moment. Um, so, doesn't it lead to pedophilia? No. No more than it would in a percentage-wise with heterosexual families. Um, here's a hard one. Uh, would I attend a gay wedding? The, the answer to the question, would I perform a gay wedding, is easy for me to answer. The answer is I can't. And so the answer is no. Not only no because, well, no because I don't, that's not what the Bible teaches, but also no because I'm not empowered to do so. And to do so, I would be deregistered. I would no longer be employed by you, by Sunnybank District Baptist. Oh, that's an out, isn't it? <laughs> would I attend a family or a gay wedding? Um, John Piper addressed that question. And my initial response was, probably I would, because I'd want to be supportive. Um, He gave this answer, just quickly. Uh, He said he wouldn't, even if it was a family member. Firstly, because it's not a wedding, because it's not marriage according to what the Bible says. Number two, um, this pairing is not adjoining in heaven. It doesn't have God's blessing upon it. Number three, if I attended and blessed this event then it's a confirmation of a wrong path and these people are heading in the wrong direction in their life and I can't endorse that. And number four, my not going would not be my withdrawing from the relationship or from the child, whatever, but I would remain with my arms wide open for them still to receive, like the prodigal returning son. That was his response. So I I haven't thought a lot about it and you'll never know until you're actually in the situation of what you would do. 
but to go through his points, not thoroughly, um, it actually, it is a wedding, it's legal, uh, it's a union. It may not be a marriage, but it is a union and it is legal. Um, would it help if you tell them that you actually disagree but you were going because you wanted to keep the relationship, you wanted to be supportive of them as people without wanting to endorse this act? Is that possible or would they not understand it? Would they hear you not going simply as rejection of them as people and not of, about homosexuality? And I agree with what John Piper says but I also admit that it does sound a little bit aloof here I stand with my arms wide open and I'll love you and I'll accept it provided you come to me, not me go to you. So, how about that? Two bob each way. Uh, can a practicing homosexual attend Sunnybank District Baptist Church? Now, this is where you have to make a distinction. The answer is yes. You have to make a distinction, but people who have the orientation, the inclination, the attraction, that's not sinful. That might lead to a question. It's the act which is sinful. All of the people in the room here tonight, you have sexual orientation. You have sexual desires and you have sexual attraction. It's not sinful. It becomes sinful when it becomes lust or it becomes sinful when you act on it inappropriately. That's the sin. Lust or the act. But the orientation or the desire, not a sin. For homosexual people, I would say it's a manifestation uh, of brokenness. Something's wrong. And we're all broken. Somewhere, we're all hurting, we're all out of shape somewhere, somehow. And for these folk, it happens to be in the area of their sexual desires. So can a practicing homosexual... A person who is not just orientated towards homosexuality but actually is engaging in homosexual intercourse with people, can they attend Sunnybank District Baptist Church? My answer is yes to both. Can they join a life group? Yes. Can they serve in a ministry area? Oh. My quick, simple response is if they're actually practicing, then probably not. But if you're just talking about orientation, yes. Can they lead a ministry? Same distinction. Can they be an elder of a church? Huh. Well, if they're practicing, no. Can a person who has same-sex orientation and desires be an elder in the church? Yes, provided they're not practicing. Otherwise, I'd want to ask you the question, can a person who has sexual desire be an elder in the church? Well, to be an elder in the church, you've got to be warm and breathing. So I would imagine you would have sexual desires. But they have to be appropriate, as 1 Timothy 3 talks about. So bottom line, it's not a if it's not a salvation issue, um, then we just need to take a deep breath and step back and treat people as people and love them without compromising. Actually, the Bible says that what you're doing, doing is not correct. That's offensive to God. It's a sin. It's something you'll need to stop. It's something you need to repent of. But you've got to earn the right to say that sort of truth into somebody's life. Don't just go, away and round, uh, wave, go around waving and shouting that God is opposed to homosexuality. We're being misheard. Okay, I think that'll do me.
over to you. Question time. How am I doing this, Dan? Well, if you've got a question, just put up your hand. I think we'll do that. Or they'll send it. Have you got questions? Mm. Oh, thanks, Graham. Are you here to answer? No. Bother. Jesus didn't. Yep, thanks. Jesus didn't say anything about homosexuality or gay marriage. That's correct. Why should we make such a big deal over it? Well, that's a common argument that folk in the gay lesbian community will make. Jesus was silent on it. Uh, Jesus was also silent on many other things. Um, but Jesus, being a Jew, uh, certainly taught consistently with Old Testament ethics, and in fact, he raised the ethical standard that when he spoke about sexual, sexual issues, for instance, Sermon on the Mount, he talks about adultery. And it's not just the committing of adultery, the act of it, which is wrong. He said, if you have lust in your heart for a person of the opposite sex, you've already crossed the line. You've committed adultery in your heart. So he actually raised the standard. And so it would therefore follow, you would expect that he, as a Bible-believing Jewish person, would have taken Leviticus 18 and had the same attitude towards it. I hope that addresses it. I said homosexuality is always sinful and I define homosexuality as same-sex attraction or in practice. If I did do that, I don't like, I think I made a mistake. Uh, does that mean that I'm a sinner if I have same-sex attraction? Have I answered that? Um, I apologise if I said that at the beginning that, um, oh, it's gone. Um, the act is the sin, not the attraction. And if I said the opposite of that at the beginning, then put that down to a blundering senior citizen who gets things wrong. That's, I, I wouldn't stand, I'd disagree with myself. <clears throat> uh, you, I said homosexuality is always sinful. That's what I just read. He put it back. Thanks. Um, what would your response be to the statement by people? The church doesn't get to tell people who they can love. Yep. What would my response be to the statement by people? The church doesn't get to tell people, oh, uh, we can't tell them who they can love. Uh, no, you can't. Um, and see, that's where the issue has, has become. How do you speak to people who genuinely love and care for another? They happen to be of the same sex, but they're quite genuine in their relationship. How do you oppose that? You can't oppose love and you can't oppose commitment. We stand for those things. And so I stand for those things too. But the Bible says it's a sin for you to express that love and commitment sexually. Yeah, now that's hard. Mm -hmm. I know. But I think that's what the Bible says. I think that's what God says and what God wants. Um, hmm. I've got nothing else. Dave, you got anything? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> The Bible is not exactly the word of God. Heretic. Um, sorry. Um, I, I was trying to be funny. I apologise. Rhonda said, no jokes tonight. No, I can't. Before you leave tonight, I need to tell you something that I've been dying to say since I got up here, but I'm not allowed, so. <clears throat> the Bible is not exactly the word of God. Yeah, well, that's what some people believe. That's true. The Bible was written by various authors and they wrote what they believed at this time it was simply normal to hate gays. I don't think that's true. The authors of the text believed being gay was wrong. Probably. Uh, they didn't even question this because it was simply ordinary. They didn't 
They did not even have had a choice. Christians thought being Jew was a sin and Christians also thought black people are born to be slaves. God tells us to love one another as he has loved us. God loves both men and women. Yep, yep, yep. Um, what's that? It's a statement more than a question, isn't it? Do you agree with it? I don't agree that the Bible is not exactly the word of God. I think the Bible is the word of God. I do agree the Bible was written by various authors, 40 different authors who wrote over a long period of time and they wrote what they believed. They also wrote what the Spirit of God revealed to them. It's not just human words. Uh, at this time, I assume that means Bible times, first century time, it was simply normal to hate gays. I don't agree with that statement. I think it was quite normal for homosexual practice and it was very wide and very well accepted in the Roman Empire particularly. It wasn't looked down upon, it was practiced in their temples, it was a religious ritual act as well. Um, so I don't think it's true to say people just hated gays. Um, the authors of the text believe gay was wrong. I think the authors of the text recorded what they believed God was saying. It's not just their view. They didn't even question this because it was simply ordinary. Yeah, so, so generally, no, I don't agree with the statement, though I do agree with the end of it, that Christians um, are called to love one another as he has loved us, and God loves both men and women, absolutely. God loves heterosexual and God loves homosexuals. God loves transgender and he loves bisexual as well. As mixed up and as messed up as all that is, he loves them, cares for them. Um, mm. My understanding is that in the, the laws at the in Queensland is that if a, a, a man and a woman are married, they have kids, and so I'll pick on the bloke, if the bloke then says through his own issues, psychological issues or whatever else, that he really uh, has been denying who he really is, that he, in fact he's more, he's more a woman on the inside and that he wants to have an operation um, uh, so that he can become more feminine and... Uh, the laws in Queensland actually say if one of the partners has an operation, then the other partner is required by law to divorce them. You don't get a choice because our laws state that marriage is between a man and a woman. If you're no longer a man and a woman, then you can no longer be married. So that'll be interesting to see if they change that. The church seems to be on the back foot, fearful of biblical truth. How would you treat a church member who persisted in homosexuality? Um, well, if they're a church member, they're a professing believer in the Lord Jesus, so that means for us they've been baptised, they've declared their faith, they have chosen to repent of their sin. But if they're persisting in the practice of homosexuality, there is a problem. Ask the same question. How would you treat a church member who persisted in inappropriate heterosexual activity? Same way. It's, you need to repent. You can't do that. The Bible says, no, um, that, that sexuality is only for when the confines of marriage. Uh, what happens when we legalise marriage? Well, then I would say um, sexuality is, in the scriptures, only for male, female within marriage. Yeah. I see some people born gay. Some people certainly believe or want to say that there is no evidence to indicate that at the moment. There is no gene. Um, there may be some evidence beginning to slightly come, not to find a gene, but to find something genetically which means that there could be a predisposition towards it. Um, I don't think alcoholism would be a good parallel. This is out of my field. I'm, I'm only re regurgitating what I've read and heard. Um, 
is uh, for, for a al- person with alcoholism, that they have something in them genetically which predisposes them towards that. So that whether it's the American Indians or something like that, for them to touch alcohol, uh, it's, it's, they just slip into alcoholism straight away. They can't control it. They're predisposed towards that weakness. So it's quite possible for a person to have a predisposition towards homosexuality. But a predisposition doesn't mean that you will that you are disempowered to not choose or disempowered to not control. Does that make sense? Predisposition is not an excuse, that's what I'm saying. So are some people born gay? No. Uh, But if you talk to people who are professing gays, that they will say, I've always felt this way. I've never felt any other way. And so for them it's natural and it's, they would think, this is how God made me. So that's something to negotiate with them, to share with carefully. And do, do you believe God makes mistakes? <laughs> no. Where's this going? Are we being born gay? We are born in his image. Yep. Homosexual people are made in the image of God. Um, but the image of God is not in their sexuality. Their image of God is in other parts of their... Single people are made in the image of God. It's not in their sexuality. Uh, what about transgender people? What about them? Um, not sure what you're asking. Um, there are people who have inclinations, who have confusion, who um, want to have the operation, who want to cross-dress um, all a manifestation of brokenness. Still people for whom Christ died, still people whom he cares for passionately, still people that he wants us to be reaching and loving. Uh, should I care about gay marriage being legalised? As a Christian, should I care about gay marriage being legalised? Um, no, I don't think so. Um, we are to be salt and light. If we get a choice, if we get a question, should you speak to your parliamentarian your representative by all means um, but I, my, my answer to that is I think this is becoming a big distraction uh, the church is about the gospel um, be concerned about building relationships and sharing Jesus with people um, gay marriage gay practices and that were rife back in the first century and the church blossomed it's not the end of the world it's a downward step I think it's a bad step but having said that, let me also say this. How, how can you not feel uh, for people who, while they are wrong from our perspective, in terms of being committed to each other and expressing that, not just in terms of love and commitment and loyalty and support, and the wrong part is the sexuality part, but everything else is okay. How can you not feel for them when their partner is in hospital and is dying and this partner has no legal rights or responsibilities to make any choices for them or with them. How can you not feel that that's terrible? Well, I do. I feel that's awful. I feel for them in that. And there's got to be a better way of doing it without legalising marriage. I do not believe in gay marriage. I think marriage is between men and women. But if it's civil union and if the government does it, then am I going to lose any sleep over it? No. Um, Would I vote against it? Gay marriage? Yes. Because it's not what God wants. 
What is the church's stance for same-sex marriage for or against? Uh, when you say the church, you mean this church? Uh, I think that would be the question. Um, well, I could plead the fifth. The church has never actually voted and decided. I would imagine the church would be very strongly opposed to same-sex marriage. Um, but we might be surprised that there'd be people amongst us who would say, actually, it's they're in favour. Um, the church hasn't got a position on it officially. That's my position. I would imagine that's David Butterfield's position. Same-sex marriage, church's position. Yep, yep. That's very clear. The answer is no. We can't perform it and do it. Yep. Uh, how do you think gay marriage will affect the church? Hmm, that's a good question. I think it will affect the church. And it may affect the church by helping us to think about the issue more carefully and maybe listen and be more gracious. It may have that positive effect. It may also have a negative effect. Um, it's going to raise all sorts of issues. Um, what impact will it have on churches? What impact will it have on Christian organisations? What impact will it have on Christian employers? If it's a right and if it's legal, then can we stand against it? Can we choose not to marry them? Well, at the moment, the answer is yes. But if it's a legal right, will that continue? The United States, they're arguing about, will that affect our tax exemption as churches? If the state says that gay marriage is right and that if we don't follow through and also practice that, we could lose our tax exemption status. They're all, and particularly in America, that's much bigger than here. Um, so how do I think gay marriage will affect the church? I think it'll have those sorts of effects and in another sense it won't have any effect at all because get on with the work of the gospel. Talk to people, talk to Muslims, talk to people who are very different to us. Um, and so same-sex marriage won't, in that sense, change our focus, doesn't change our mission. We still want to work with God in transforming people into passionate followers of Jesus, whether they are same-sex marriage or not. Okay, I think we've answered all of our questions. Is there anything anybody's busting they want to ask? What are we doing now? Am I just praying and finishing? Oh, we're doing a song? Okay. Okay. I hope you found that helpful. Um, if nothing else, continue to think about it, talk about it, and speak in very helpful, godly ways. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we um, believe that you have spoken to us and that's been recorded in the scriptures and that therefore the scriptures have authority for us and as we looked at pretty quickly tonight, your word seems to say clearly that uh, the act of homosexuality is not acceptable to you. So Lord, I pray that you might help us to stand on truth wherever we're getting it wrong lord in any part of your word then please teach us and correct us but help us to be faithful and give us courage in our conversations as well as grace help us to be loving just like jesus was um, like was a reminded us with a woman caught in adultery the lord jesus not only said to her uh, don't go and uh, go and sin no more he first said to her 
neither do I condemn you. So, Lord, help that to be our position. It's not our role to judge and condemn. It's our role to deliver the message of grace and forgiveness. Help us to do that, that you might be pleased and that you might achieve your purposes by saving people. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.